Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Fire, Pain, and Ruin, a Rutherford Manor novel audiobook. We are on episode four. Uh, the story's starting to move on. We're still in Act One. And if you haven't, definitely go back and listen to episodes one, two, and three. Now, let's uh, uh, look at what we did in episode three, just to quick summarize uh, chapters five and six before we jump into chapters seven and eight. Now, in chapters five and six, Spalding and uh, Billy finally made it to Fight Club because uh, they just needed to blow off some steam. Spalding has his new twin girls, the midwives during the birthing, and Penny, Spalding's wife, were everything was just off. The midwives were like wondering about the supernatural stuff, and Penny was just distant. So Spalding is a little stressed out. Billy wants to get married. He is getting married, so he's trying to deal with the wedding, so he's stressed. So they go and fight, and uh, Spalding has a fight on, on his. Uh, of his own and thinks about his past, uh, thinks about Irene um, and the white hand. And uh, yeah, he, he realizes he can't be like that anymore because he's a father. And in episode or chapter six, rather, he decides to talk with Knox, his business partner. And Spaulding and Knox had been at odd ends because Spaulding wants a simple life. Knox feeds his dark desire just like billy and they had just gotten that sweet sweet government contract and with that government contract Knox is allowed to do whatever he wants as long as he basically helps um the government with uh that um serum that he had created that makes people immune to pain and spaulding doesn't want any of this for his little girls he's about to raise twins and he wants to be an honest good father um, so he had a talk, but the talk didn't go where he wanted, and he ultimately agreed to let Knox keep doing what he wants to do. And that's where we left off with the folks of Rutherford Manor. So let's jump into chapter seven and eight and see where Act One ends. Chapter seven Strange Together Squealing Small Sticky Meat Hooks and goofy smiles. Spaulding stared at the little girl he held in his arms. She was neatly wrapped up in a cloth blanket, flailing her arms up at her dad with no clear direction. To the little girl, it didn't matter. She was simply content being. What a strange concept. Having nothing to worry about. The joys of being a child. How is Louise doing? Penny asked. Penny was washing their other daughter, Lisa, in a steel tub of warm water. Lisa sat there with a dumbfounded expression on her face as the water poured over her head and down her back. Babies had funny faces. It was pleasing. Spaulding brought out his hand, extending his index finger toward her. The little girl grabbed it with her stubby fingers, face filled with wonder. A curious one. It's nice to see. Spaulding said. That's your father, Penny said with a warm smile. The baby squealed. A treasure, Penny added. Hopefully that curiosity follows them into adulthood, Spaulding said. Yes, but not too curious. Why is that? Spaulding asked. 
We don't need our little girls getting close to the family business. Spaulding nodded. He knew Penny was referring to her Uncle Knox. We'll raise them as normal as we can. Knox is going to do what he does. Unfortunately, we need his work to keep afloat. I know. It had me thinking. About? How we raise the girls and their schooling. Spaulding knew where Penny was going with her statement. School would be an issue. The residents of Rutherford Manor were effective at keeping their secrets because they rarely left the manor. When anyone did, they kept their outside visits simple and clean. But kids liked to babble. School might prove to be a problem, Spaulding said. My thoughts exactly, Penny said. It's not that I don't trust you to keep the past in the past. It's just what Knox, Lilith, and Billy do. Hell, even Vivian. The girls might want to share with their friends. Understandable. So we raise the girls here? That's all I can think of. Spaulding shrugged. It's not unheard of. Between everyone at the manor, we have plenty of knowledge to share. Yes, just not too much knowledge. Penny finished washing Lisa and took her out of the tub, placing her on a dry towel and patting her down. You can put Louise in, Penny said. Spalding unwrapped the little girl he was holding. He gently placed her in the tub. The baby landed in the water, eyes widening. The sudden shock of the water caught her attention. Either you or I can have a talk with Knox and Lilith, Spalding said. They'll understand why we want to keep the girls away from the business and why we'll homeschool them. Yes, Penny said. You know, there is a reason why my family moved away from Rutherford Manor. Of course, to get away from the family's practices. Penny nodded. I didn't understand as a child. I only wanted to see my extended family. I had no idea what Alistair and your father had done. I know. I was involved too. Yeah. Penny paused. Now that I am here, I know why my father had forbidden me from seeing anyone. It's not all bad. You have a family now, Spaulding said. Penny gently stroked Lisa's face. No, as long as I look the other way, it's not like I had a lot of options either. Spaulding cupped some water over Louise, watching as the water drizzled over her tiny face. He didn't have time to get into a long conversation with his wife. Work was starting soon. A discussion about Penny's family shunning the Fleshers was a long, complicated talk. They'd been through it before and never came to a verdict. Alistair and his firstborn son, Walter, had been at odds. Then, Alistair died, and the fire happened. Penny had never fully come to terms with her family's dark past. He wished she could just accept it and build a better future with a clear head. I must get going, Spaulding said. Of course, Penny answered while wrapping Lisa up into a ball. Spaulding walked over to his wife, reaching for her lower back, wanting to pull her in for a kiss. The sudden touch caused Penny to twitch, and she stepped back. Sorry, Penny said. Are you sure you are okay? Spaulding asked. Perhaps she was still feeling distant since the birth of the twins. Yes, Spaulding, I'm fine. She sighed and stepped toward him. Spaulding leaned in and gave her a kiss, just a quick peck. Penny pulled away and hurried over to Louise. She was now distracted by taking care of the children. A good mother should be. 
She just wanted the twins to be healthy. At least that was what Spalding wanted to tell himself. His wife had had distant episodes before the girls. The conversation about her past had probably rattled her up. Perhaps he could discuss her family ties and the intimacy in one smooth talk tonight. Maybe. Or maybe it would blow up into an argument. Penny was testy when it came to her emotions. Like Knox, the Flesher bloodline was true. See you tonight, Spaulding said. Of course, Penny said with a closed smile. Spaulding left after giving his twin girls a kiss on the forehead. He snagged his top hat and coat from the coat rack, passing by Billy and Vivian on the veranda. Morning, Spaulding said with a tip of his hat. Enjoy your day off. I will, Billy said while reaching for Vivian's hand. Billy is getting married, Spaulding thought while walking to the stables. Seeing his good friend come so far in the time that he'd been at Rutherford Manor was exciting. He knew Billy was nervous, but the man had nothing to be nervous about. Vivian was a good lady to him. She loved him for who he was. Spaulding rode his horse toward the town of Rowley, as he did every day at dawn. The forestry path was the exact same road that he had found Billy on so many years ago. The poor man who had thought he could tackle a bear one-on-one. -on -one. Billy would be dead if it weren't for him. Spalling would also be gone without Billy. They'd fought side by side during a white hand altercation. That was friendship. They had each other's back. Spalling would have Billy's once again at the wedding. One week away, Spalding thought. Looking ahead, he saw three women farther up the road. The midwives of Rowley. No one else dressed in such strange clothing, dark fabric draping over their bodies mixed with unorthodox pendants and necklaces. A witch's wardrobe, one might say. Plus, the three were always together. Not often did you see three middle-aged women walking together this far out of town. You're up, really, Spaulding said while bringing his horse to a stop in front of the women. So far from Rowley, too. Rachel brushed her red hair aside. We find ourselves walking through nature quite frequently. Elise nodded. We like our morning gatherings. It allows us to soak in nature, reflect, and embrace the world. Right, Spaulding said. Can't say I've ever seen you three on this path at this time, though. I ride it every day. I suppose a change is good? Rowan nodded. It's good. Where nature takes us is up to her. We simply listen. Who? Came the voice of an owl. It was loud, directly above. Rowan looked up. And there she is. Spaulding spotted a gray owl resting on a branch just above. It stared at them, then buried its head under its wing. Well past its bedtime, hey? He said. Rowan didn't answer as she stared at the owl. Of course, Rachel said. We shouldn't keep you. You are a working father now. How are the girls? Elise asked. They're beautiful. I couldn't be happier, Spaulding said. And Penny? Rachel asked. She's had a hard life with her family, the fire. That is quite the shock. She's fine, Spaulding said, slightly taken aback. You knew about the fire? Rachel smiled. Intuition. Just as we find ourselves here today, talking to you. Of course, Spaulding said. The midwives loved their mysticism. Maybe Rowan had told her. Rowan brought her focus back to Spaulding. 
Your family has been through so much. If there is anything we can do, please let us know. Penny is not alone. Yes, Rachel said. Please let her know. We know she is a busy mother. Her hands will only be fuller as the twins grow. We babysit other families' children all the time. I'll keep that in mind, Spalding said. Thanks again for all the assistance you gave during the birthing. As capable as Lilith and Vivian are, I think you three's strength really eased the whole process. Anytime, Rowan said. Rutherford Manor is home to the strange. As are we. Our relationship grew naturally because of it. Spalding nodded. He wasn't exactly sure what to say to that. To him, it seemed to be more of a fact, like saying the sky was blue. To him, strange was normal. Strange folk had a way of finding each other. Speaking of, Spalding said, the birthing. Any further thoughts about what happened? The wind, Penny's odd behavior? We have come to some conclusions, Rachel said gravely. Elise nodded. Rowan cleared her throat, seeming a little ill at ease. Spalding wasn't a fan of this. The midwives were usually in a cheerful mood. Forces are surrounding Rutherford Manor. A power that orbits your families, Rowan said. Spalding couldn't help but smirk. That's a given. I could have told you that. The women didn't smile in return. They were serious. Spalding couldn't help but try and lighten the mood. Considering all the odd happenings he'd seen at Rutherford Manor, their information came as no surprise to him. But he knew he should shut up and listen. It is ancient. Angry, Rachel said. Well, we've certainly had a complicated past, if that's what you want to call it, Spalding said. So I'm trying to move my family away from that. Live a simple life, a good life. Raise the girls with love. Superstitious for a practical man, Rachel said. A cautious man, Rowan said. A man who puts family first, Elise said. All true, Spalding agreed. I'd like to leave my adventurous days in the past. I'm older now and have responsibilities. Those girls mean everything to me. Penny is a lucky woman, Rachel said. As I am a lucky man, Spalding cleared his throat. She straightened me up. Any practical advice about the birthing? We find ourselves here through nature's direction, Rachel said. Be careful, Spalding. Some wrongs can never be undone, no matter how good you are. Right, Spalding said. They were clearly not going to give him a straight answer. Most likely, the women didn't have one to offer. They loved to dance around with metaphors. He didn't. He preferred to cut to the chase. Whatever bull they were talking about didn't reassure him that everything was dandy. Thanks again, Spalding tipped his hat. You ladies have a lovely day. You too, Rowan said, waving goodbye. The group went their separate ways. Spalding gripped the handle of his saddle tighter, concerned, even as a practical man. He'd witnessed the unusual events when his twins were born. Penny's ramblings. The midwives who sensed ancient anger. Spalding had lived an evil life. He had done plenty of wrong. Stealing, adultery, killing. Was that coming back to haunt him? He liked to remain a realist. The concept of something looming over his family was superstition. Odd things were always lurking around Rutherford Manor. 
The fleshers and savages seemed like a magnet for weirdness due to their actions. That didn't mean there was some supernatural entity controlling their lives like a puppet master. The simple answer would be that the wind was a draft coming from the window. Spalding knew that coincidences could be found anywhere. People often made connections where there were none. It was known to happen. On a larger scale, that was how the new world was discovered centuries ago. Humans had a tendency to fumble around and attempt to explain the unknown through myths and religion. Spalding wasn't so convinced. He cared for his family and put them first. Whatever nonsense that the medwives had to say wouldn't weigh on Lisa and Louise. He would make sure of it. Chapter 8 Husband and Wife Marriage The bonding of two souls into a singularity the sacred event that brought joy to those wedded in their families. Weddings were a traditional event for this day. The residents of Rutherford Manor were fond of traditions. They embraced them. There would be a new generation that would carry on the Rutherford Manor lines, the Fleshers and the Savages. Unfortunately, for some of the residents, social stipulations made the tradition more difficult. One would think all forms of marriage would be celebrated, not in the town of Rowley. The townspeople were normally fans of weddings. It meant a new family was to be born. The town would grow. But not all marriages adhered to their limited beliefs. Either way, it was not a huge concern. The residents of Rutherford Manor had kept plenty of secrets in the past. Some were vile, while others were lovely. This wedding would be no different. Billy's big day. Spalding thought while tucking his shirt into his trousers. He gazed at the mirror, making sure that he was as presentable as he could be. The last thing he wanted was to look like a bum on his friend's wedding day. He leaned into the mirror to analyze his face. Thankfully, no bruises or scuffs were visible from Fight Club. That would be embarrassing. He was in the clear. The fresh shave, iron shirt, and bath made him set to be Billy's best man. He double-checked his pocket to see if he had Billy's ring. He felt the velvet exterior of the small box. Check. Pulling it out, he flicked it open to see the simple gold-banded ring with a diamond set into it. Billy had gone all out for Vivian. Knox must have given him a decent bonus with the new contract. Spalding wished he could have done the same for Penny. Unfortunately, they weren't exactly in the position to spend money on jewelry. It didn't matter. Spalding reminded himself. He knew he shouldn't be so concerned about money. The butcher's shop would pick up. He was a savage, and savages could live that normal life. Spalding would ensure his girls had a positive upbringing. Right now, Billy was the focus. Penny entered the room wearing a clean blue dress. She brushed her red hair aside and smiled at Spalding. You look good, old gussied up, she said with an open smile. Smiles look good on her. I always dress up, Spalding said with a wink. I just don't pull this shirt out all too often, only for special occasions. Kinda like Pierre, Spalding thought. It was a strange thought, but also true. The cane was only brought out when he had to kill someone, a ritual that had been far more common when he was a resurrectionist. Boy, did it annoy Alistair, he remembered more ghosts of his past. Have you talked to Billy? Penny asked, 
I half expected you to be with him now. Yes, I'm going to catch up with him as soon as I finish dressing. He seemed distracted the last time I saw him. I bet he's nervous, Penny said. This has been rattling his nerves for weeks, Spaulding finished adjusting his shirt and picked up his peacoat. He would have liked to have a formal blazer for the event. Again, funds didn't allow for such luxuries. It's too bad we have to have the wedding at Rutherford Manor. Not in a chapel like ours was, Penny said. Aye, it is a shame. Unfortunately, there's too much taboo over something so simple, Spaulding said. It sickened him that even though the days of settlers in the New World had long passed, bigotry was still as common as it had ever been. Billy and Vivian's wedding was nothing more than two people falling in love. The town of Rowley and the rest of America would disagree. Are they getting photos taken? Penny asked. Not that I am aware of, Spaulding said. He went up to Penny and leaned in for a kiss. She embraced him. A pleasant change from the usual as of late. Life was on an upswing, and the strangeness of the twins was just that. Strange. No hidden meaning, no hauntings of the past, or maybe Penny was just in a good mood because of the wedding. Who could say? You'd best hurry then, Penny said while patting Spaulding's chest. Of course, he said. I will see you there. Spaulding exited the room, hurried down the stairs, and went over to Billy's room on the main floor. The door was shut, but not completely. Usually, his door was wide open. It was only closed when he needed privacy with Vivian. He must be nervous, Spaulding thought. He gently knocked on the door while pushing it open. The door creaked and Spaulding stepped in. The burly man stood by the window, reading a scribbled piece of paper. He was not wearing his hat. His hair had been neatly combed back and tied into a ponytail. This was the first time Spaulding had ever seen him in such a fine formal wear. The man dressed sharp, a black blazer and pants. Big day, Spaulding said while walking into the room. Billy folded his piece of paper and smiled, yet his eyes were wide and fearful. Spaulding walked over to the window beside him, patting his friend on the back. You will do well. I hope so, Billy said. Vivian has given everything to me. I want to do the same for her. I want to be better than what my family was to me. By saying that, I know you will, Spaulding said. Rehearsing your vows? Yes, I believe I've gotten everything I want to say to Vivian during the ceremony. Good. Shall we head out then? Spaulding asked. We don't want to keep everyone waiting. No, Billy said. Let's go. The man turned and marched towards the hall. Spaulding followed. Billy walked with purpose. Spaulding had never seen his friend so careful with each move that he made. It was amazing what a woman could do to a man's heart. Spaulding would know. He had been chased around enough. This was why Billy needed Spaulding as his best man. The two strode out the back entrance of Rutherford Manor. On the grass stood the residents of Rutherford Manor along with Father Isaac, holding a Bible in front of them all. There was no need for chairs. You could count the number of people that would be at the wedding on your two hands. Penny, the twins, Knox, Lilith, and Spaulding. This had to be the most unconventional wedding Spaulding had ever attended. 
Not like that it was a bad thing. Spalding understood the secrecy. Vivian had not arrived yet, as would be expected with the bride. Knox stood with Penny. Lilith was not here either. She filled the maid of honor role. Penny kept the girls in small carrying baskets, both girls wrapped up in blankets. The twins looked awfully similar, making it difficult to tell them apart from a distance. They were little pasty blobs. If you really wanted to tell the difference, Lisa had a slightly rounded face, discernible if you were close enough, and Louise's nose was a little more defined. Penny and Knox looked over at Spaulding and Billy as they walked down the stairs and onto the grass toward the small group. Spaulding stopped beside Penny. She smiled at him. Spaulding smiled back. Billy walked past Knox and Penny with the same strong stride that he'd used in the house. I've never seen Billy so nervous, Penny whispered to Spaulding. Nor have I, Spaulding said. There's always something that gets a man. Indeed. Billy approached Father Isaac. He had always been good to the folks of Rutherford Manor, and had even been present during Alistair's funeral. Alistair had had a much closer relationship with him than Spaulding did. Spaulding never had anything against Father Isaac, but wanted to put the past behind him. Hence finding a new church, a fresh start. Those thoughts didn't matter now, though. Today was about Billy and Vivian. Father Isaac, Billy said while taking a slight bow. Thank you so much. Of course, Billy. God celebrates the joining of two families, Father Isaac said with a smile. This will be the second most exciting day of your life. What will be my first? Billy asked. When you have a child. That, I will believe, Billy said. Spaulding cupped his hands together, waiting for Vivian and Lilith to arrive. Spaulding had been to enough weddings to know the process. This ceremony was going to be quite short, which would allow them to enjoy one another's company and the food. With Vivian and Billy getting married, it looks like the Flesher's family is going to extend to another generation once again, Penny said. That's true. We already have, Spaulding said. It'll be nice for the girls to have some other kids to play with soon. Indeed, Penny said. Think my uncle will ever have children? Not a chance, Spaulding said. The idea was humorous. For the type of man that Knox was, Spaulding couldn't even fathom him attempting to be a father. Knox didn't understand emotions well. Perhaps that's why he and Loth got along. She was exceptionally sensitive. The mix didn't seem like family material. But what did Spaulding know? He was a new father himself. Here she comes, Penny whispered. Everyone craned their necks towards the back entrance of the manor, where Vivian and Lilith were exiting the building. The bride wore a bright white wedding dress, holding up the long gown with her hands so it didn't drag on the grass. She walked carefully, nervous. Knox moved towards her as Lilith moved to Spaulding. With Alistair gone, Knox would be the one to walk his sister down the aisle. Our turn, Lilith said while reaching her hand out for him. Spaulding extended his arm, letting her grab it. The two walked up to Father Isaac freeing their arms as Spaulding took a step behind Billy. Knox and Vivian strolled down the grass toward the ceremony, locking arms. They walked past the group toward Father Isaac and Billy. 
Knox disconnected his arm from his sister's and returned to stand with the onlookers. The ceremony was to begin. Vivian had a wide smile on her face. Billy fiddled with his fingers. Father Isaac extended his arms, holding the Bible. Friends and family of the bride and groom, welcome and thank you for being here on this important day. He brought his arms down and looked at everyone in the eyes. We are gathered here today to celebrate the very special love between Billy Hood and Vivian Flusher by joining them in marriage. Spalding brought his hands back together as Father Isaac guided everyone through the ceremony. Hearing the words from Father Isaac reminded him of his own wedding day. Spalding had been anxious, probably not nearly as much as Billy. Penny had been ecstatic and so much happier back in that time. So much can change in a few years, he reflected. To be successful, Father Isaac said, you will need strength, courage, patience, and honest love. So, let your marriage be a time of waking each morning and falling in love with each other every day. The bride and groom will exchange their vows of marriage before the ceremony is complete. Billy took a deep breath and exhaled slowly. Vivian. Vivian's eyes widened. She still had the same goofy smile on her face. I promise to be a loving and caring husband. Loyal by putting your safety above all, Billy started. He continued with his vows, expressing his thoughts, desires, and what he promised to provide for her. It was everything Spalding expected. Billy was a straight shooter and a loyal man. Vivian's vows were just as sweet. Spalding could see that the woman of the wedding Penny and Lilith were beginning to tear up. This was common. Spalding knew it was an important moment. He had long ago learned to control his feelings. It was the way he learned to survive. Knox showed no reaction either. They were men. The rings, please, Father Isaac said. That was it. Spalding's big moment. He shuffled through his pocket to pull out the ring box flicking it open with his thumb and plucking the ring from the velvet cushion. He handed it to the priest, as Lilith did with the one she carried. They both returned to their stations just behind the groom and bride. Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Father Isaac asked. I do, Billy said. Father Isaac turned to face Vivian, saying, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? Vivian nodded. I do. Father Isaac handed Billy the ring. With this ring, I thee wed, Billy said, stepping toward Vivian. He took her hand and slipped the ring onto her left ring finger. Her eyes lit up with joy. Billy stepped back. Father Isaac handed the second ring to Vivian. Vivian stepped forward to Billy. With this ring, I thee wed. She gently took Billy's hand and placed the ring on his left ring finger. I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride, Father Isaac said. Billy and Vivian embraced one another, mouths colliding as their eyes closed, their arms wrapped around each other, 
Everyone clapped. The moment extended on. Two lovers were finally united, soul-bound, through life until death. Ah, look at that. That is a positive note to finish Act 1 on. Billy and Vivian are now married. Isn't that nice? Everyone's so happy. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's the end of Act 1. Things are looking good for the Rutherford uh, Manor folks, eh? I guess uh, we'll see where the story goes in Act 2 next week. So if you enjoyed this, share with your friends, and I will catch you in the next episode. Ciao.